Hi, this is Dan Corver, uh, pastor here at Dalton Hill Baptist Church. <clears throat> we're a small Baptist church located in Owasso, Oklahoma. We're small enough to know you, but we're big enough to serve you and for you to serve as well. Our vision is to rescue, restore, and return to service. Rescue a non-believer or a believer who has been hurt or is lost. Restoring them to Christ in fellowship with other believers with the desire that they in turn will help others along their way. The song she just sang obviously was based on First Thessalonians chapter 4, and part of what our series is about, when you stop and think about it, is if we want, to, we know it can come back at any time, and we obviously believe it's getting closer all the time, we're going to have to meet him, and how many of us would like to be Christ-like, or more Christ-like when he comes, and be able to see him. That was our, our brief series we're working on, is Christ-likeness. And our key verse is Philippians 3. We'll look at it here in a, in a moment. But uh, just to review, if you remember in the introduction, we said the prerequisite was to be uh, saved. You have to become a believer to become Christ-like. And obviously the Holy Spirit working in you. That's the prerequisite. The partners, you know, obviously we have. We have the Holy Spirit as a partner working with us. We have the Word of God it's showing us. You also have the church, fellow believers, and places to come and worship and to work together as a body. We also have personal choices. Uh, what are we eating? You know, we, you uh, are what you eat, and are we eating the Word of God, and are we in it, and so on? What's our diet? And also the discipline. Obviously, somebody else can't do the exercise for somebody else. We have to do it ourselves, and it has to be daily. That was in the prerequisite. Obviously, our pattern, if you remember, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so we want to be around people who are imitating Christ so we can help model our life after them. Two weeks ago, we did the uh, intimacy with Christ and to really be uh, to know Him personally and intimately. And, and so we have the, is that really our desire? We had dangers, if you remember. Some of the dangers is we don't know. A lot of us don't know what Christ is like, therefore we're not liking because we don't know. Another danger is that if we started but we departed. Things sideline us. Or we can be deceived. A lot of things can come up and can deceive us. Another one, you remember, we don't allow access. How many of you have certain rooms? If I was invited to your house, would I have access to all the rooms? Or, hey, don't look in that room, don't look in that closet, don't look under that bed. You know, we have a lot of us are that same way in our own lives. God, you have access, but you can't have access to this. And then also, another one was that of drifting. We can easily get up, start drifting and realize, don't really realize how far away we've drifted from the Lord until we start looking. And so then the decision, obviously, then we looked at was the inclusion was we need to examine with the Word of God, look in the mirror, but then do we fix what we see or do we not fix it? And if we're going to, it's going to take exercise, a daily routine, a personal exercise to make those changes. Today we're looking at the second one. So we had the, the first one, obviously, was out of intimacy in the introduction. Today I like to look at simplicity, uncluttering your mind, but it kind of reminds me. This past week I was talking to a secretary, and she was at work, and she was talking about the good old days. How have you ever heard about the good old days, right? She said, I remember going up to the well and drawing water, just how good it was, cold. And, and talk about also having to go to the restroom outside. Now, how do you really want to go back to the good old days and doing that? You know, I 
was born in Iowa, I remember going out in the wintertime outside, and that was not fun. But you didn't stay out there any length of time, I can assure you. Oftentimes we talk about going to the good old days, but what is it that we mean? I think most of what we're really referring to is the simpleness of life. And so I think what's happening, it also is interesting, yesterday I was flipping channels, it wasn't even honest for a minute, but I heard this phrase, some study. And on the study it made this statement, the average American adult spends four and a half hours a day on the different devices, internet, computer, phone, or whatever. The average youth spend twice that much time. Nine hours a day? You think about it. But we went out to eat to celebrate Mike's birthday last night. It was amazing. You look across at different tables, looked at one, there's two couples. There weren't any talking. All four of them had their phone out. It's kind of like, why do you go out to eat together? I mean, he you can stay home, you know. But it's amazing. But how many times, how do we get along with all of these devices? It's amazing how we are so attached to the different devices. And so stop and think about it. Do we really need them all? And so I want you to think about it. We look at simplicity, just uncluttering our life. And I think it's really important uh, when you look at it. Let me give you the key verse again. I'll read it out of the the uh, Philippians chapter 3, I'll read it out of the Amplified body, Bible and see if this is what you really are desiring. This is your goal. And it's good to keep it in light with the song that uh, Marilyn just sang because we can meet him any time. Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply, intimately acquainted with him. How many people really feel that way? Perceive and recognize and understand the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in the same way become to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which he exerts over believers, that I may share his sufferings as to continually transform into the spirit of his likeness. Notice there's a lot of keys we're looking at continually transform. It's not something happens overnight, but you get to know him more and more and more closely and so on. Is that really our goal? I want to know him better today. And his ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. It's something we're going to have to work at because it's not going to come naturally. So I want to look at just that uncluttering. Is that really our goal to unclutter? And so it's just another piece of the puzzle, if you want, or in our journey on Christ-likeness. So intimacy, now we want to look at uncluttering, simplifying. Let me give you five uh, some things that keep us from it. What keeps us from simplicity or uncluttering your mind? See if this relates to any of you. Maybe it's just me. In Acts 6, you want to turn there. But if you remember in Acts chapter 6 and verse 1 to 2, you remember the Hellenistic Jews, which is the Greek-speaking Jews. You also have the native-speaking Jews. They came and they were not being taken care of. And so they had a need. So let me see what happens. They Remember, they asked the apostles, and the apostles said, yes, it's a need, but we're telling you no. Because if we say yes to meet this need personally, it takes us away from the Word of God and from prayer. That's an important principle when it talks about keeping this simple. How many of us say yes to too many things? How many say yes to too many things? 
Yep. And I think a lot of us do. Gene has often has told me repeatedly over the years, anytime you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And quite often that's family or whatever it might be. And I think it's important when we do. Uh, so just think about it, saying yes to many things. What the results are going to be, you're spread too thin and nothing gets done well. And so I think what happens is it's better to do a few things well, and it is godly to say no. Is you know you have to say is this what God wants? It's also godly to say yes. So what is it I say yes to, and what is it I say no to? I was reading one with which uh, someone was quoting Swindoll when he was at the church in California, the huge church, and the Christmas parties come up with all the different Sunday schools. One man came to him and said, I'm asking you, the last three year, or two years you've said no to come to our Christmas party. I want you to come this year. Basically, I, you know, he was demanding that he come. Swindoll self said, I, I appreciate it, but no, I won't be coming this year either. And the guy got upset and he goes, I have 20, that'd be 23 parties I have to go to. The Swindoll family wouldn't see me at Christmas if I went to every one of your parties. You know, there's others that need to go. I can't do every one of them. And my family needs to see me too. There is a time to go. There's also a time to say no. And so I think it's important. Also, if you're saying yes to too many things, you end up with exhaustion. Any of you ever ended up with exhaustion? Too many things. You're preventing others from stepping up. If the apostles had said yes, would those other six men have been, or seven men, would they have been nominated? And would they have done the job? Would we have heard about Stephen? Would we have heard about Philip? And so I think it's important that we have to, at times, we have to say no and allow God to move others to say, to step up. And what happens, I think sometimes it can become a pride issue too. I can do it better than anybody else, so I'm going to do it, control whatever it might be. And I think uh, you're preventing God from working. So when I say yes, I have to realize what I'm doing, saying yes, too many things, I'm too thin, I'm keeping others from doing things, I don't do what God really wants me to do well. <clears throat> that happened uh, many years ago, we were looking at buildings, we were doing drawings, and doing all that kind of stuff, and I got so involved in checking all this stuff out, what happens then, I, was, I wasn't able to spend as much time as I needed to in preparing messages and so on. That's why we have other people doing different things. We have to look at it. So what do you think about then saying yes to too many things? It's the barrenness of a busy life. Urgency often replaces importance. How many of us get so caught up in what's urgent versus what's important? We have a report due. We have this due. Whatever it might be, and it takes place. Second thing, when we keeping us from simplicity, most of us don't plan time to relax, reflect, and rejuvenate. Remember in the book of Mark, in chapter 6 and verse 31, Jesus made the statement to his disciples, come away and rest a while, because they've been so busy they didn't even have time to eat. Jesus, you know, Mark 3, he would often slip away to a lonely place and rejuvenate. What happens is we don't. We go from, you know, just basically don't take the time, and it's amazing, even the secular world recognized that when I was at Sunoco, they had a mandatory policy that every single employee was required to take one week off away from the refinery. 
what you did with it, but they saw the need and they made it mandatory. Everyone had to have a week off away from the refinery. It's amazing how we have that in the secular world, but when we get in with ours, we don't. So stop and think about it. A lot of it, I think, the reason we don't plan it is the tyranny of the urgent. We don't do it because the tyranny of the urgent. There's one more thing we've got to get done. Uh, if you're a task-oriented person, what happens? Okay, you got one more task, one more task, one more task. And it isn't a successful day if you saw one task that didn't get done. So you don't relax. You don't relax. As soon as you get that task done, it's the next one. It's the next one. You know, I'm a task-oriented person. Doing yards. If I could do 20 with the same crew, let's go for 21. We do 21. Let's go do 22. One is that can be selfish. You can make more money. You're paying them the same amount of money. But you get so busy, you never stop and look at something that's well done or whatever. If you're a relationship-oriented person, what happens when they call and they need your help? Is there always somebody that's calling and needing your help? And they're always needing your help, so you keep saying yes and yes and yes, and so they're not there. And so what happens is when we get all, we get spread so thin. Now, do you think Satan knows what kind of person we are? So if you decide I want to be Christ-like, what do you think he's going to bring in your, in your life? He's going to bring something that's going to start sidetracking you. He knows exactly what to do. Besides the tyranny and the task oriented, you know, taking you away, I think a lot of it is has to do with the time and priority. When it talks about the uh, don't plan relaxation, what's one of the Ten Commandments? Were well, we supposed to rest? That's a command, but we're under the law. We're under grace today, and you know I don't need it. You know you can say you know we can say what we want, but that's how we act. And so then, what happens is you, and, and I've seen it with all of our lives. But how many times when you get so tired does it take you longer to do a job than if you rested? So it keeps taking you longer. What happens if you just stop and take a rest? You will can get the job done, and there's others that need to step up and get the job done. So stop it then. When we think about this time and priority, ladies, how much time did you spend planning your wedding? Was it a priority? Guys, how much time did you spend planning the wedding, the honeymoon or anything else like that? You take a lot of time thinking about it. If it's important to you, what do you do? You plan it. And so if we're not, and we get these other things, it really shows the importance, what, how important it is God really in our lives. So, you know, what's keeping me from it? Saying yes too much. Also, don't plan for it. I think a third one, how many of us do not take time to enjoy an accomplishment? In Proverbs 13, 9, it says, Desire realized is sweet to the soul. I think what happens for most of us, as soon as we get an accomplishment done, we immediately go to what? The next one. Give you an example. Parent, how many of us have ever done that? Great, you raised your grade up in math. Now keep it up and raise English as well. We do that, don't we? Or, you finished the report good. Here's two more, I need them by five. 
That happens at work. Yep, yep. It happens all the time, doesn't it? It happens all the time. It's hard to enjoy it. So then what happens is just you're in a hurried life, unbelievably hurried. And I'm sure if you're like me, you get on any road today, I've never seen people drive so crazy as they are now. They are in such a hurried life. It's amazing. Let me give you a fourth one that keeps us from simplicity and cluttered life. Many of us are in debt. In Proverbs 22.7, the borrower becomes the lender's slave. So what happens is I think, you know, credit cards are a necessity. You understand you can't get on, you know, rent a car, you can't do different things without having one or whatever it might be. But what happens, I think, we so often get caught up, is it really a need or is it a want? Or do I need it now? Can I do save for it and get something else? Or do I need the latest and the greatest? You know, I go to where I work in, their, in my department. Every person you know, has a company cell phone. And everyone except for me in the department has a second phone. They have their personal phone. So they got one, you know, one company phone here and they got their personal cell phone here and they have all these different phones ringing all the time. It's got, you know, if they can afford it, fine, but since you're required to have the company phone on you 24-7, seven days a week, do you really need to have a personal phone? How much is that costing you? Now, if you can afford it, it's great, no problem. But, well, I don't want the company to know who I'm talking to. And, you know, I understand that, but, you know, it's still, how many of us, if we're trying to make a cut... <coughs> Also, do I have to have the latest? If I don't have the money, could I do with a phone that's not maybe that maybe doesn't have quite as nice a camera on it? Or maybe it's a re if I do with the less one, take the same amount of money that it would cost me to pay for the new phone and put it in an envelope every week, and I could buy it outright and not have to pay off. There's a lot of things. What happened? We you know we just basically. You know, we hear the statement, how many of you heard it? I owe, I owe, I owe, so off. Yeah. We've heard it all our life. And it's amazing, all of them. I mean, they have everything. I mean, all the different gadgets that they have. The latest in your computer, and then you have to have the, you know, the pad, you have to have all this other stuff. And uh, so I think it's important. Can I meet the need another way? You know, I, I never forget, I was, it's been 35 years ago, I was in a class, and I just made the statement, and it was a graduate class, mostly non-believers, I said, why, I said, most of the, or many of the times we have both of us work because we want more in possessions and newer and nicer things. And that whole class erupted, I mean, you would, I, I never got flayed so bad in my life. I didn't say you, that you both can't work. But why are we both working? Is it because we want to keep up with whatever? And then when that happens, then we so often are so tired, we cannot really spend time with the Lord. So think about it. Another one I think we often get caught up, do I need all the new technology? Okay, I have a TV, but it's not the 60-inch or the 72-inch. Or I've only got one, and I need one in every room. Or I have ESPN, but I need all the other NFL channels and all the rest of it. 
And then you look at your bill and say, why am I paying $200 for the, uh, just for the computer? I mean, just for the TV. And then a hundred and something for cell phone. You start adding it all up. And man, life, it's amazing. Does it, do I own it? Or does it own me? And I think it's important. Henry Thoreau made this statement. Our life is triggered away by detail. Simplify, simplify. And how many years ago did he write it? So think about it. What is keeping me from the simplest, complete devotion to Christ? Jean's been after me for a long time. She said, if anything happens to you, I'm pulling up a dumpster outside the barn and everything in is getting thrown in there. That statement was made more than once. Well, this last week, two weeks, okay, I don't mow a couple yards anymore. Six, counting my dead mind my dad. I don't need five or six push mowers. I mean, I don't need them. I don't need a rototiller. I haven't rototilled a garden in a long time. I don't need three 32-inch wall lines. I don't need it. So I loaded it all up in my trailer, and I took them and got rid of them. I don't need all of them. I'm not going back to doing yards a hundred a week. I'm not doing it. Okay, so how many of us need to do the same thing? You know, and what happens is then when I was keeping them all of them, I'd go to use it once a year or twice a year. It wouldn't start. Then what happens? Now you're working on it or you're taking it in. Why am I paying a mechanic to fix something that gets used once a week or once a year? And then what happens is they don't offer me the money. that It's worth. Okay, they've got to make money. It comes a time with what? If I'm telling you to unclutter, what do I need to do? I need to do the exact same thing. So I think it's important when you look at it. So here you have this, the, like I said, that first question is, uh, like we said, is just, uh, we want to, uh, what's keeping us from it? Just unclutter. I'm going to give you five different things. Let me give you something else when you think about it. What's luring us away from simplicity, purity, or devotion to Christ? Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul was fearful that the Corinthians were going to get lured away. And notice what he puts down there in verse 2 and 3. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, and that to Christ, that I may present to you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid, lest the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray from simplicity and purity and devotion to Christ. Is Satan pretty good? He's easy. Notice it's interesting he uses the word there. It's two words put together. But it's basically to deceive or to entice. How many of you have seen you know, get easily get deceived or is there something out there that entices us? I always find it amazing and it always irritates me. You go someplace and the sale is only good if you get it today. I don't care if it's a furniture, if it's a car, if it's anything. Hey, if it's that good a deal, let me go on and think about it. I don't want this impulsive. Most places do not want you to do that. Why do they not want you to do that? 
Because they think after you think about it, you're going to say what? No. They ought to honor it. If it's that good deal, if you want think about it and say, I want to do it, okay. So I think it's important for all of us to really to stop and think about what is it that really, and all of us have different things that really, one person, I love looking at equipment, I love doing all that kind of stuff, you know, two tools or anything like that, well, I might need that tool or whatever, okay? Others, it can be clothes. It can be anywhere. You can't, uh, it's just whatever it is, latest gadget, whatever it might be, or the latest car. What is it that Satan can use that's going to entrap me and really ask, is this really what I need? Is this best for the family? Nothing wrong with buying different things, but be very careful, is it really what I need? Because then I am becoming trapped with it and I can't spend time with the Lord. And that's exactly where Satan wants us to be. So you think about it, what is pure, what's luring you or baiting you? And it can also be for pride. How many times do people want you to do it? Nobody can do it as good as you. Would you do this? And that can bait you. Then you say yes, and then you just said no to something else, and you can get spread so thin. And I think it's important. Maybe you can do it better, but is there somebody else that needs to step up and learn how to do it? Um, that's what happens on so many of your teams. Why do you have so many backups? To give the best one a, re a relief during the game, or in case he gets hurt. You need to have that. Okay, so besides that, what about over in Ephesians 4? I think another one that you have, it's important. So if you stop and think about it, the singleness of mind, the uncluttering, we want to, uh, you know, you stop and you think about it, we have to say yes to too many things, we don't plan for uh, rejuvenation, we don't take time to enjoy something, we're in debt for things, we always get caught up in the latest technology, with also what's luring us, taking us away from Christ. But the third, the third thing is, am I plugged into the local church? If you look in Ephesians 4, it makes the statement in verse 11, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastor teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith, of knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, the measure of the statue which belongs to Christ, so being Christ-like, then notice the next part. Why are we in a local church? Why are we teaching the Word of God? 14. As a result, we are not tossed, are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves, carried away by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Why do we come to the Word of God? Why do we come to church? Why do we learn it? So that I can become more Christ-like and not be led down all these false trails that Satan is bringing me and leading me down. And so what happens is when I'm not in the Word of God, when I'm not at church, not doing anything, I'm not developing. And it can easily happen. And you, know, you and I can recognize it. So I told you before when Jesse was comes inside, and, oh, there's such a nice man outside. He offered me candy. And what do you do? She thinks he's a nice, a nice man. And you're saying what? No way. 
The difference between a mature person recognizing the danger and a child, same thing is true spiritually. There's so many things out there that are luring believers away. So let me ask you some questions. <clears throat> Why do I attend the Dalton Hill Baptist Church? <clears throat> Can I recognize deception? Do I recognize the difference between singleness of mind and a simple mind? There is a difference. Am I having my personal quiet time with the Lord? When you think about it in Psalms 1, it says that we should meditate on it. How many of us get through our reading real quick and we go on the day and if somebody asked you, what did you read? Or tell me what you read and what, what will we say? We'd be lucky to even tell them the passage, let alone what we read. It's not the volume that you read, it's the meditating of what you read. I'll give you something else. Uh, what is robbing me from simplicity with Christ? What's keeping me from it? And that's a question only you can answer. There's a time to say yes, and there's a time to say no. And what is it that's keeping me from it? And I think it's important. What can I unload or eliminate? This is a part of a uh, statement by Alan Wheeler Wilcox. One ship drives east, another drives west. With the selfsame winds that blow, or blow. Tis the set of the sails and not the gales which tells us the way to go. Can you go against the wind in a sail ship? You can. It's called tacking. You set the... Yes, exactly right. Tacking is you set the sail and it takes you this way. Then you switch it and you go this way. Don't go as fast. But you can go against the wind by knowing how to set the sails. When difficulty comes, if we set the sails right, we can become Christ-like even against the wind. But what most of us do is we do what? We let the wind take us wherever it wants. How do we set the sails? And are we controlling it? We can through tacking and get us where we want to be. Okay? So we've done two. Intimacy with Christ, is that what you want to want? And simplicity. Let's get rid of all the stuff we really don't need. And really simplify. And uh, when we do that, we can become more Christ-like because we can only be open to it. We'd love for you to come and visit with us and fellowship with us. We're located at 8263 North Owasso Expressway, which is on the east side of Highway 169 North, between 76th and 86th Street North. We have coffee and fellowship from 8.30 to 9 Sundays, followed by Sunday school for all ages from 9 to 9.45, and our Sunday morning worship service is from 10 to 11. We likewise have a Wednesday night service for all ages from 7 to 8. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with you all the time.